back in the late 70s and early 80s, the reformers, or we refer to as the reformers of the, the framers, if you would, separating themselves from the Word of Faith teachers. Go home, do your homework, and just type in the fallacies of the Word of Faith Church, and this is the deal. We can have differences in, in secondhand doctrines. That means we can disagree. There's churches all over this town, but we can dis disagree in what we refer to as secondhand doctrines. It means that um, should we or should we not have music in the church, musical instruments? The Church of Christ folks says no. Well, we happen to do so, but we can still shake hands and go to heaven together. Water baptism, should we dunk, sprinkle, immerse? What should we do? We can disagree on certain doctrines, and still we, we can all get along. But I will tell you, I'm not mad at anybody. And somebody said, well, remember what God said about David and, and Saul, touch not my anointing. Listen, don't, don't, don't play Bible trivia with me. The reason why he told David not to kill Saul because that David's life would be killed. Saul was not anointed by God. God said, you're the guy that put him in office. I didn't put him in office. I got a guy waiting. So don't, don't do that, touch my anointing. Saul was not anointed by God. He just said, David, if you kill him, they're going to kill you, and I got plans for your life. The Word of Faith teachers mostly believe, this is what they mostly believe, that you can just, I was raised in Word of Faith, around it, raised in the assembly of God. I know everything about it in the nicest way. Certain individuals, I'm not going to name them, because, but I'll tell you, just look it up. Because I challenged a couple of people to do this, and they did. But they believe that the atonement work of the blood of Christ on the cross was not finished. Sorry. And Sister Myers, let me back up. She's not, if she believes and preaches this, which she does, it's all on recording. It's, 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 all, it's all documented along with her and Copeland, Seville, and all these other people that they believe that Jesus went to the cross. They believe his blood was shed, but it wasn't finished. Jesus said it was finished. Let the scripture speak for itself. So they believe and teach that Jesus went to hell for three days. Kenneth Copeland even said that he was molested by demons. And Miss Meyer says the same thing. She's not a kook. She's a heretic. So if you want your money back, you can have it back. I don't care. We can disagree on certain doctrines. But listen, the, the, the finished work of the cross as far as atonement for our sins was finished Jesus said it was finished. Now then, what happened those three days afterwards? We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. You need to know. If I catch you sleeping, I'm hauling you out of here. Stand up, Brandon. Stand up. If I catch you sleeping, this guy right here is hauling you out of here. You can sleep on your own time. You should have went to bed last night. So, I'm not mad, but you're going to figure out why I'm pastor of this church. You're going to figure out why I don't play well with others that teaches false doctrines. And don't go behind my back and don't go in some closet and say, well, listen, we're going to, carry, we're going to cover this slowly and simply. We're not always going to agree on certain things, but there are certain doctrines. The, the virgin birth, the vicarious life, he, he was crucified, he was buried, three days he was resurrected, and now then he, he makes intercession for you and I. That is the gospel. Now, anything outside is heresy. So, trust me, I'm not going to just stop here today. We're going to talk about it in the weeks to come. Okay? So, here we go. 
So I got your attention. So at the cross, it was a finished work. So we are going to deal with the blood of Jesus and his atonement work in the weeks to come, but not today. We are going to discuss this topic that I started last week and didn't finish it. So it's not just necessarily, watch this, this is what Paul said, don't be drunk with wine in excess. I don't know what in excess means. I guess pass that on the sidewalk, I guess. So instead of just telling you no, 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 listen, this church house is not the gospel of no. You can't do this and you can't do that, and for God's sake, you can't root for that team. What does he say? Let's finish it. Be you filled with the Spirit. See, I, I'm not just telling you this is a gospel of no. I'm telling you that you've got to be filled with the Spirit. And so same way with this doctrine. So if, if, if the doctrine that Jesus did not actually go where they say he went and was molested by demons as their propaganda do, and the dangers of that, we'll deal with next week. The dangers of adding to Scripture. Let the Scriptures speak for themselves. So, so don't get locked up. I'm telling you right now, don't get locked up on me. We're going to let the Scriptures speak for themselves tomorrow. So the question is, where did Jesus go after the death on his cross? Where did he go? Okay. So the question is this, which part of Jesus? I'm a Bible teacher, and so here we go. Class is in session. Which part of Jesus? So we know that Jesus was made in three parts as we as believers. Number one, we know that after his death, the body went back to the grave. These scriptures will tell you they buried him. His spirit went to the Father. Luke says, he says, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Luke 23, 46, and he had a soul. Body, soul, and spirit. We as believers, we have a body, soul, and a spirit. It is not enough for us, and evidently, I thought everybody knew this, but evidently, not everybody knows this. I thought the in-between between his crucifixion and resurrection. So before this thing is over, you're going to know. So where did his soul go? And matter of fact, by definition, the soul is the Greek lexicon says the soul is the true nature and expression of the body. So when someone talks about themselves, they're talking about their soul, who they are, the personality. Now, I, I gave Mark a lecture. Boy, you ought to work with me. You ought to get lectures. But I said if a man walked in there with cowboy boots and a cowboy hat and cowboy spurs and a cowboy belt and a cowboy buckle without him saying anything, you would know, well, he's a cowboy. But the soul really is, is, the, is the identity and the personality of the body. So when we speak about someone, we're not really talking about their height or their breadth. Or we're talking about who they are on the inside. And that's their soul. That's who they are. That's their identification, who they are on the inside. Well, so when we speak of somebody, we're speaking about our soul. So Jesus, like we, we, he had a body, he had a soul, and he had a spirit. When he died, his body went to the tomb. He was buried. There, there is religions out there that says that Jesus did not die. Are y'all aware of this? You need to turn off as the world turns and, 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 and all my father's children, whatever that thing is. You need to understand there are religions out there that try to, to disbunk the scriptures. 
And the worst thing about it, we got this feel-good and fluff environment of these Christian circles that absolutely get, get lost in, in, in the realm of make-believe. Listen, this may not be your best day today, but I'm telling you, it is a day that we really need to observe the teaching of God's Word. So he had a soul, he had a spirit, and he had a body. So where did the soul go? The body went to the grave, the spirit went back to the Father, so where did the soul go? So let's hear it straight from, from the lips of Jesus. Matthew chapter number 12. So Jesus answered the Pharisees and the Sadducees, said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Because they said, We need to see the sign to validate who you are. And he said, There should be no sign given but this sign of the prophet Jonas. Now, there are religions and teachings today that says this is not actual and factual. This was an allegory. Did you ever stop to think how much our enemy wants to, to accuse? Did God really say these things? It started in the garden. But we don't have time to talk about this. The next verse, he says this, For as Jonas, the prophet, was in the three days and three nights in the whale's belly, the fish's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the where? Say that with me again. Where's he going? So here's the sign. As Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man shall be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Was this actually three days and three nights? Show up next Sunday. So Jesus is going, this has come from his own words. This is nothing that I fabricated in the middle of the night after eating a pepperoni pizza by myself. Where did Jesus say that he was going? Where did he say he was going? The heart of the earth. So there are three words that gives you this detail of where he's going. Number one, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, it's called shale. Where we get the word shale rock, but shale. Number two, the Greek word is called Hades. The English word is called hell. Now, there, there is a, there's a, nothing, nothing complicated, nothing complicated. We're, we're not trying to complicate this thing, but I'm telling you, in the Old Testament, they referred to as the center part of the earth or the heart of the earth where you go when you die, you go down to either Sheol or you go in the New Testament word, it's Hades. Or the English word is hell. Jesus said, I'm going to go there when I die. Which part of him is going? His soul. So let's back up, class, before you go night-night on me. Where did the body go? The grave. Where did the spirit go? Where did his soul go? To the heart of the earth. All right. So we know this coming from the words of Jesus. So when I went to Emmaus a while back, because we're all living in, in, in kind of a, a, of a, kind of a self-quarantine church here that I, I don't stretch out too much, but the first time I went to Emmaus, they read me the Apostles' Doctrine. We had to say it together. I thought, well, this is kind of weird. As a matter of fact, they, so the Apostles' Doctrine that was written somewhere, we had the beginning, somewhere comes about in, in the middle of the 3rd or 4th century, the 5th century when it took off, and it says some things. It's a condensed version of what the framers felt like the Apostles represented. Not only his virgin birth, his vicarious life, crucified, buried, 
resurrected. Now let's read. This is a part of the Apostles' Creed, and I want to read this, but this is what the framers of the New Testament church believed in. That I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Do you agree? Just say amen if you agree. Born of the Virgin Mary. Is that important? We're going to talk about spirits too. Not today. Suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, and he descended into, there's that word, hell. So Jesus was born of the Virgin. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. He died, and he was buried, important, and he descended to hell. So here we have that descended hell business. Isn't it amazing and isn't it kind of weird that on the cross, the thief of the cross turned to Jesus and said, I I believe that you are the Son of God. And what did Jesus say? Today, I'll see you in hell. Well, no, wait a minute. What in the wide world of sports is going on here? We have a thief on the cross, and, and he says, I truly believe, I don't know about the other guy over here, but I truly believe that you are who you say you are. And Jesus said, today, I'll see you in hell. What did he say? I'm just asking you to let the Scripture speak for himself. What did Jesus say? Today, I will be with you in paradise. So... Is he going to hell or is he going to paradise? So now then we're back to these three words, Sheol, Hades, and hell. But make no mistake about it, when Jesus Christ took his last breath, and I'm going to say this again, we'll deal with it next week, his atonement shed blood upon the cross was a finished work, and that's all God asked for him to do. He said, it is finished. Translate to Lesta. I've done everything, and the, and, and the issue of sin is over when Jesus' life was shed upon the cross. There's, not, there's none of this, I'm being dragged around in hell for three days being molested by demons. Ludicrous. Heresy. So what happens is, even with the Apostles' Creed, it even says that, so once again, it it was a bad wording that Jesus descended to hell. So, where did he go? Luke chapter number 16, verse 22. Now, I want you to know that this is the, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. It's not. No parable has proper names. Pay attention. This is not a parable. Parables do not have proper names. This is a story. And it's a story that Jesus told. And it's true. This is not some make-believe idea about there was a man and there was a woman and there was a fishery and there was a guy that jumped off a cliff and there was a bird. These are real people. So it came to pass that the beggar died, this is Lazarus, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, and the rich man was also buried, 
And in hell, in hell, where's hell? Shell or Hades. In hell, that he lifted up his eyes, this is the rich man, being in torment. Now, what's, what's funny about this, before we go on, I want to describe this to you. In the heart of the earth, there is this chasm, there's this place. It's one place that has two distinct compartments. On one side is Sheol or Hades or hell, and that's where all the wicked went. They did not trust God or obey God. That's where they went, and they're even there today awaiting judgment, the second judgment, which is the great white throne judgment. You understand? In, where is it? In the center of the earth or the heart of the earth. So there's a rich man, and the Bible talks about this, and but when he died, he went to hell or Haiti or Shell. He went there because he was wicked or unrighteous. So he was in this compartment, in this place, in, in, the, in the heart of the earth, and Lazarus died. And Lazarus went to paradise, or Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom and paradise are synonyms. All right? Are you with me? Side by side. So in hell, he lifted up, and the word lifted up, he looks across, and being in torment. So you kind of ask this question, because I told Ron yesterday. So you're going to have to think with me for a moment. Okay? Are y'all still with me if I lost you? Don't go to sleep. How is it possible if the body is in the grave and the spirit is, is with God, how is it possible that the soul can be tormented? And even he says, I'm being tormented. Would you please have Lazarus take his finger and stick it in a little bit of water and put it on? Uh-huh. I thought his body was in the grave. How can a soul be tormented? How can a soul be so tormented by the flames of hell that he wants Lazarus just to take a, a little bit of water on, on, on his finger and touch him because he's tormented? How can that's possible? And in the medical world, and I'm not a medical doctor, but I played golf with a doctor one time, but there is a term called phantom pain. Do you know what Danny said? Say it, Danny. An amputee will have excruciating pain years after the thing is gone. They're hurting so bad in, in, in their brain is hurting so bad and they feel the pain. It's called a phantom pain. It means that even though the physical body or the limb is not there, their brain is absolutely in torment because for some reason they think it's still there. For somehow the soul of man is so intertwined with the body of man that even though that the body's not there, the soul can still be tormented. I'm letting the scriptures speak for themselves. You can take your doctor and there's a dumpster out back. Take it there. So he says this. So he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tinker of his finger in water. They may cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Next verse, please. And Abraham said, Some remember that in thy lifetime received thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's the one comforted and you are 
tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, that there's a great gulf fixed that they which would pass from one place to the other, you cannot. Neither can they pass to us that they would come here back and forth. He said, listen, on one side in Hades, hell, Sheol, we have that where departed souls go and are still now that are in disobedience to God. They're, they're there now. I'm not making this up. It's the scriptures. You're looking at me like you've never heard this before. Maybe you haven't. So where did Jesus go today? I'll be with you in where? Paradise. So where did he go? He went to the heart of the earth. But it wasn't hell to be dragged around by demons. The heart of the earth was a chasm called paradise. And paradise and Hades I'm not sure how far they were apart, but they could see one another. Kind of like that OU Texas game. Whoever won that game? <laughs> one is over going, woohoo, we won. And the other is going, we did not win, man of God. I mean, that's just the way it is. So when Jesus said, today I'll be with you in your paradise, I'll be with you in the center of the earth, that's where I'm going. Now, if you'll hang around till next week, I'm going to tell you what he did and where he went. And, and the scriptures will tell you what he did when he went down there. But this, for, for sure, we know this. Paradise. Sheol and Hades and hell represents torment. Torment in some way. But I want to say to you, this is not the final place of torment or paradise. We're waiting for Revelation 21 and Revelation 22 for all this thing to be dissolved and rearranged and refractured and restructured, a new heaven and new earth and all this stuff. And so now then what happens is that this is not the, this is not, this is not the final place of torment. Revelation, well, clearly Revelation 21 will tell you that there's a difference between Hades and the bottomless pit. Yes. Death will give them up, hell will give them up, and they will be cast in the bottomless pit. So all the departed souls from Adam on goes into a place. Once they die, their body goes to the ground. They go to a holding place called Sheol, Hades, or hell, and it's a compartment, and they're waiting there for judgment. Now, in one way, shape, or another, they're being tormented. tormented. I'm not going to tell you they're being tormented by fire and brimstone. I'm not going to get on that doctrine because this makes people uncomfortable. But I'm telling you, I'd rather you hear it from me than hear it from someone else that, that will lie to you. All right. And paradise, we know through the scripture, paradise was a place for all the people that were righteous or they put their faith into God. They went there until the resurrection of Jesus. So everybody, including Adam, I believe Adam is in the presence of God because the Bible says that he was a son of God, if you don't know that. He goes through all the lists backwards, and when he gets to Adam, he says, and Adam, the son of God. So God would not refute his son into a wicked eternity against, without him. So paradise, this, in the heart of the earth, was a compartment that you could see across there, but for some reason, they could not cross because of this gulf, but they could see one another. All right, so that's where Jesus went. 
Now, if, if you want to come back next week, I'll tell you what he did there. So everybody except two individuals, Enoch and Elisha, went to this place. Enoch and Elisha has not died yet, but they will in Revelations. But everybody else from Adam on that has died either went to these one or two places before the resurrection of Jesus. They either went to Hades, Sheol, or hell, or they went to paradise. All right? They're waiting for the resurrection of Jesus. So, the Apostle Paul didn't have any problem with this. I'm going to give you one scripture, and then we're going to save the rest for next week. I may give you two, but I may not. This is found in Ephesians chapter number four. Did Jesus preach the spirits in chains? Yes, he did. What did he say to them? Show up next week. So this is what the Apostle Paul says, but unto every one of us and they've been given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore, he said, when he, Jesus, ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he, Jesus, ascended, what is it but he, Jesus, also descended first into where? Paul got this. Now, don't turn this away. Now, the apologetics of this, some people feel like that he, which is Jesus, when he ascended, he was already ascended in heaven, and he, his descension, they say, was when he came in his incarnation to the lower parts of the earth. But that really, that really doesn't make much sense or hold water anyway. And the captivity he led captive was the souls that he redeemed. So we, we can't add to or take away. 98% of all true framers of the gospel is this, that Jesus came to this earth. He led captivity captive. Who was held captive against their will? Save those that are in paradise, not hell. The people in hell, he had another message for them, and that's next week. For all you people who are going to hell, you may want to show up next week. I'm going to tell you what you're going to hear. Jesus released everyone that was being held in paradise. Righteous souls. And he led them out of captivity and he led them somewhere else. He moved paradise. Now, by definition, I don't, I showed this, but paradise is a synonym for loveliness, comfort, delight, peace, tranquility, at rest. Paradise, Abraham's bosom, heaven are all synonyms. They're saying the same thing. Now, some of you are good Bible students, and so I think it's Isaiah chapter 5. He says this, hell has enlarged herself. Haiti has enlarged herself. Sheol just got bigger. Why did, and is, is not Isaiah the Messianic prophet? Is he? Say yes, you know what you're talking about. He is. Isaiah is the Messianic prophet. I mean, he's the one that sees Christ and all these things. And, and Isaiah 5, he said, but there's a time coming where, where hell will be enlarged. It means that everybody that was held against their will, not really against their will, they went to paradise they were taken by Christ. And now that if all the righteous was taken, guess what? There's more room for the sinners. Hades just got bigger. 
Why? Because the righteous is gone. He moved paradise. Well, that's weird. So to go back and review this, boys and girls, where is Haiti located? Heart of the earth. Where was paradise located? The heart of the earth. Where did Jesus go when he died? His spirit went back to God. His body went to the ground. And his soul went to paradise. Now next week we're going to talk about he did preach to the disembodied demon angels, but it wasn't a message of conversion. It was a message of Caruso, of proclamation. I told you so. All right? But there's no wrestling. This is not a WWE competition between Jesus and the devil. Three days and three nights. It's not there. So the question is, today, as believers... Where do we go when we die? Number one, which part of you? Okay, number one, our body goes back to the dust. Ecclesiastes says, when the body dies, it goes back to the dust where it came from. Where does our spirit go? It goes back to God. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7 says, and the spirit goes back to God where it comes from. Has anybody ever here had to bury someone that was a born-again believer? So there's great wrestling where they are. Where do they go? Somebody said, well, they're going to, they, they went to heaven. Can you prove that? Don't answer that. Or are you just shooting from the hip? Do you know that for sure? Well, I, I, I heard it somewhere. I don't care what you heard. Does it, is it backed up biblically? Well, you were right. I just want to know if you knew. <laughs> but when people are hurting and you're bearing a loved one, number one, this is what I'll tell you in the last way. Ecclesiastes, the word says, that among other scriptures, the body goes back. To the ground, the dust, the spirit goes back to the, to the Lord where it came from. But where does our soul go? And the answer is, our soul goes to paradise. Paradise was not canceled. Paradise just changed addresses. Here we go. Paradise, heaven, Abraham's bosom are all synonyms. It's a place of content Peace, bliss, delight, joy, comfort, relaxation. Somebody said, where's heaven? I said, wherever Jesus is. You know, one of the, first, the bad parts of hell is this. God's not there. God's not there. And, and we can endorse and we can say, oh, we can put our stamp of approval of every lifestyle comes to this church but you're looking at a guy that will not. I will not. 
I will not endorse people's stupid actions and relationship and false pretenses. I'm telling you, if the Bible said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after God, he shall be filled. I'm that guy. If you're hungry after God and you're seeking God, I'm the guy that's going to help you. But I'm not going to endorse any stupidity and false doctrines that come along the church. So where do we go? We go to paradise. We go to heaven. We go to the presence of the Lord, so present with Christ. So watch this. Luke chapter 23, verse 43 says this. Today I'll be with you in paradise. Pretty obvious. He did not say today I'll, I'll, I'll see you in hell. I'll see you in paradise. What makes it paradise? Please answer this because he's there. And where he's not there, it's not paradise, it's torment. And I don't know about you, but I, it's not so long ago that I remember having a lifestyle without Jesus being first in my life. And it wasn't paradise, it was tormenting. <laughs> Are you with me? Number two, 2 Corinthians 5 and 8 says this, we are confident, I say, that willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So don't now listen. Don't I, I, you know I know a few Greek words. You, you, you don't you don't have to you don't have to muffle this stuff up. The Apostle Paul is going through this discourse with these people. He said, "Listen, I'd like to stay, I'd like to go, but for your benefit, I'll stay." But blah blah blah. But I want you to know one thing: that, that when I'm absent from this body, when my body dies, I'm telling you straight up, I'm going to be in the presence of the Lord. My body may be there. My body may be there. I may be cremated. My spirit, my spirit is going back to the Father. But I'm going to tell you what, my soul immediately, when I take my last breath as a believer in this life, my next breath is inhaling God's exhale. And I say good night to this world. And I say, good morning, Heavenly Father. Paul said, I'm confident in this. Let's get a word for, we'll get a word for concrete. Really. It's established. It's firm. It's not going anywhere. And then the third one, there's a bunch of them. The third one says this, Philippians 1 and 23 and 24, for I am straight, I'm hung between these two. I have a desire to part. I want to go and to be with you, with Christ. But nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful to you. Back up the previous verse, please. For I'm in a straight betwixt. I'm caught between having these two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ or stay here and be with you. He's telling you the same thing. When I depart in this life, I'm going to be with Christ. I do not believe in soul sleeping. At all. Now, if you don't know this, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, but there's a movement. There's a movement. And I'm not even going to name it because you're going to get mad, but there's a huge movement across the pond that's made its way over here and these people that are big, and they're big in music, and they're big, they do not believe that men are dead in trespasses of sin. They call it not spiritual resurrection. They call it awakening. And there's a huge difference between being dead and somebody woke you up out of sleep. Come in two weeks, and I'll show you that one. So the Apostle Paul says this. 2 Corinthians 12 and 3 and 4. So what's this? Here we go. He's speaking of himself. He always speaks in the third party. 
So I knew as such of a man, whether in the body or out of the body, that I couldn't tell, God knoweth. And he knows. He just, when he, he's saying like, I'll tell you like, well, I don't know. If I say I don't know, I do know. But I'm just trying to put it in language where you think I'm not an arrogant knucklehead. So the Apostle Paul doesn't say, oh, well, I'm telling you what I did, and I did that, and I did that, and I did that. <laughs> A lot of eyes in that. He was caught up into paradise. And he heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for me to utter. And I'm going to talk about that. But he was caught up into, now I know Ken Burge hasn't been in school in a long time, so watch this. Ken, up is not down. He said, I knew a man 14 years ago talking about himself. When he went to Iconia, he was hit, hit in between the eyes at Lystra and killed him. They killed him. The Bible says the disciples fell upon him and one reckoned him as dead. And the word reckon means nomizo, it means law. Luke was the physician. Luke traveled with him. Luke was a doctor. And when they hit him right between the eyes with a rock, Luke fell on him and took his pulse and his heartbeat, and he reckoned him as dead. The word in the King James is supposing, that's a horrible word. Well, I wonder if he's dead. That He's dead. And somewhere in this place is where he's caught up to the third heaven. Caught up, not down. Jesus went down to the heart of the earth, paradise, but at his resurrection, like a mobile home, he hooked onto it on that spiritual house with wheels and he moved paradise up. Paradise is not removed. Paradise just traded addresses. And everyone from Adam on, even today, until Revelation 21, until today, when we die, the body goes back to the ground. Our spirit goes back to God where it comes from, but our soul is caught up in paradise because that's where he is. The first heavens, paradise, excuse me, the third heavens is paradise. There are three levels of heavens. We'll talk about that in three weeks. There are three heavens. So you say to yourself, where's this guy been? Why does it say the third heavens? Why don't you just say heavens? Because there's levels of heaven. And he said, I was translated to the third heavens so close to the throne room of God, but yet awaiting the overthrow of, of sin. And, and when the Father takes hold of it, sends his Son in Revelation 19, and all these things in the world is renovated, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Then we move into the holy city of Jerusalem and the new world order, the spiritual world order begins. But until then, when you die and when you bury me, you remember my body is going to be in a ground or in a baggie somewhere or in ashes somewhere. My spirit is gone back to God where he gave But my soul immediately is caught up to, in paradise where Jesus is. Awaiting, awaiting the renovation of the new heaven and the new earth. So what are we going to be doing out there? I don't know. Now, if I could just get you to come back, I want to unclear. I, I told Ron Edge yesterday, here, here's the topic of these sermons. 
is, 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 is to unlearn the lies. I'm trying to get you to unlearn the lies. And the truth of the matter is, Jesus himself, not Ken Copeland, not Joyce Myers, not Jerry Savelle, not anybody, not Jody, Jesus himself said, he said, the Son of Man will descend to the heart of the earth for three days and three nights, but not to hell, but to paradise. And I'm going to unlock the door for all those people that trusted in God, and I'm going to tell them we're taking paradise to another level. Now, I want to say this to you. Close, close your Bibles and watch this. What's fascinating about this is that it, it uses a synonym, but it refers to in Luke 16 as Abraham's bosom. Here. Just here. Where the heart is. and Here. When believers trusted in God, when they died, before the resurrection of Jesus, they went to paradise. They went to where? Abraham's bosom. Now, I didn't say that. Well, I did say that. Jesus said it. Y'all remember that? Okay. Awaiting something to happen. See, in the daycare business, what happens is, is that mothers bring their children here. And they got them on a feeding schedule. It's every four hours, I guess. Does that sound about right? Now, my kids, I just fed them all the time. It's just, you know, it's a great deal. But we, we have new mothers here. You know, they're 16, 17. They know it all. I said, every four hours, do not give them a bottle. I don't care if they scream and holler and hold a gun to you. Don't give them nothing. So we have a pacifier or a plug. But we're going to call it a pacifier. And by English language was, what does a pacifier mean? And the answer is, it pacifies until the real thing comes along. So we feed the baby at 10 o'clock in the morning. And by noon, if he's kidding to me, he's starving by noon. So we got to watch that. Buddy, you got two hours to go. Here, this child is six months old, but we're still talking to him. You see right there, mommy said at, at two o'clock, right there, and it's only noon. The big hand's on the 12, and the little hand, well, forget that. So what do we do? He's screaming and hollering, so we just go somewhere, and we just stick a pacifier in his mouth, and, and he's going, hmm. And what he's saying in baby talk is this. It's not the real thing, but he'll do till two o'clock. So everyone from Adam all the way up to the resurrection of Jesus, those that trusted God as their father, went to paradise, went to Abraham's bosom where there's peace, tranquility, harmony, rest, relaxation. But it wasn't the answer as it will be recorded in Genesis, excuse me, Revelations 21 and 22. He said, but this place will have to hold you over to my Father sets up His kingdom. Here's the fascinating thing about this. At the Last Supper, there's been so many threatenings going on, rumors of revolt, accusations, things like we're going to get you, and 
we're going to get him. These men didn't live in a bubble. They heard all the rumors. They heard all the talk. They saw the signs. And they huddled up in, the, in, in this upper room. knowing, And they can feel the pressures and the pains of, of the spirit of Antichrist coming against them. There was chaos. There's murmurings. They can hear rocks hitting against the windows. They hate Jesus. Listen, they just didn't hate him from, from, the, from, the, from the Last Supper on forward. They hated him. Watch this. And John the disciple moved so close to Jesus that the Bible says that John the disciple laid his head upon the bosom of Jesus. And this is what John said. I may not can change the outcome. And I may not can change the hate and the violence that's about to happen. And I may not can change the discussion and the argument that's going around this table, but I know one thing. If I can just get close to you, I'm not going to ask you to change the world. I'm not going to ask you to destroy the enemies. I'm not going to ask you to do anything outside of your, my Father's will. If I can just get close to your bosom, I'll find comfort and I'll find rest and I'll find peace and I'll find tranquility and whatever that we have to face in the upcoming days or weeks or months, I'll be good with it because I'm at your bosom. And the question at hand is, did Jesus subvert the will of the Father dealing with his death? No. Did Jesus subvert the will of his Father dealing with his suffering? And no. But John said, I may not can change any of this, but if I can just get next to your bosom, near to you, it will pacify me until change comes. When we die, when we die, and my spirit goes back to God, and my body goes back to the ground, my soul will be alive and well. Amen. And I hate to even bring this up, but I know Brian and Ashley buried two or three babies. Sorry, Brian. But I'll tell you where they are. Their little, their little bodies went to the ground. The dust. Their spirit immediately went to, to the Lord. But their soul, their little soul. And, and I thought about this last night, but I, I don't know about you, but as, as infant as these children were, they are at the bosom. Of Jesus. And even in paradise where these little babies are, their souls are, Jesus said, you don't have to worry about anything. This is not your final resting place. There's a day coming. And my God said, why wait? Every tear from your mother's eye. No more sorrow. No more weeping. No sad goodbyes, no sad farewells. 
Brian and Ashley, your babies is in the very presence of Christ himself, and they are at his bosom, awaiting for change to come. So the book of Revelation gives us this great long. You ought to hear me talk on Revelation. You talk about, you need to bring a lunch with y'all. That's why I don't talk about Revelation. Man, I know some things about it, but I like to talk about it. But besides that, I will tell you, his body went to the grave. His spirit went to the Father. But his soul went to the heart of the earth to release all those men and women and children that were held in a place of pacification awaiting for his resurrection. And he moved paradise in the third heaven that when we die, that's where we go awaiting the final consummation of the bridegroom and the bride in the eternal city of our Father. And all things have passed away and all things are going to become new. Father, this morning, thank you for just the simplicity of your word. Thank you because you've given us the ability just to let the scriptures speak for themselves. No falsehood, no false pretenses, no imaginations, no trickery. The word speaks for itself. I think one of, the, one of the reasons, not the primary reason, but one of the reasons why you sent your son and you gave us all the details about his body, soul, and spirit is because we would have tremendous amount of questions. Where do we go? Are we aimlessly wandering somewhere in outer space in a cosmic place? But the scripture says that's not it. The scripture says that our body goes to the dust. Our spirit goes back to you. But our soul, the very expression of who we are, that has the ability to, to express and feel joy, delight, bliss, tranquility, and peace, we go to paradise, which is in the third heaven, near the throne of God. So, Father, I just pray that this morning that we will find comfort in your word. And we're going to unlearn the lies of the truth of what Christ really did those three days at his death. So here's the question this morning. I just want to know, where are you at? You will go one of the two places when you leave this earth. You'll go. I'm not here to scare you. I'm just here to ask you a question. And I want to make sure you're prepared and ready to be with the righteous because you put your trust in Jesus Christ and his shed blood alone. And if you know that for sure, then we're going we're gonna to see one another together. If you're not for sure, make sure today. If you're not 100% sure, I don't care what church you was raised in. I could care less what piece of paper you signed or how many times you were baptized. I want to know, have you made a personal act of repentance towards God and now then your faith is towards Jesus? So, Father, this morning we confess our sins and we ask you to forgive us. 
We ask this morning that we believe according to the Scriptures, Romans 10 and 9 and 10, that we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and we confess with our mouth the same as well. And through the heart, righteousness is established and through the mouth, confession is declared that we can be saved. So we put our trust in you this morning. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God say amen. Stand with me this morning, please. I know you need a rest. Give the Lord a praise offering today, huh? So where did he go? Who did he talk to? We're going to discuss it. All dogs go to heaven, and you know what goes. Where cats go. Communion service, kind of make your way this way, please. So where is heaven? Where is paradise? Revelation said it can be found within the contents of his word. Heaven and paradise is a place where Jesus is and maybe Jesus is standing so close to you that his bosom is so close to you and for some odd reason right in the midst of the worst times of your life you're feeling peace, rest, content. So Father, this morning let paradise be felt where we are today. He sat with his disciples that night and he took these two sacred elements, the cup and the bread. And he said, as your fathers has for 1,500 years, you've taken the unleavened bread, you've broken it. But he said, I am the bread of life that my father sent down. And the bread that was found in the Old Testament that man ate that and they hungered again. But he said, I am the bread of life and Whosoever eats of me will never hunger again. Then he took the cup and he said, for 1,500 years you've been celebrating the, the sacrifice of the lamb and its blood and taking in place on the doorpost in the shape of a cross. But he said, I am now the, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and my father will take my shed blood and place it in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And I want you to hear me this morning, ladies and gentlemen. At the cross, it was a finished work. He said, it's finished. So, Father, we just accept you at your word. And now then we celebrate the cup and the bread as a finished work of Jesus Christ. We bless this bread and we bless this cup. Amen.